All right, well, we could start talking about this weird show. Um, <laughs> so, hello, I'm Adam. Hello. Uh, Adam. Hi, Adam. Hi, Adam. That's, work, man. That's, that's Jonah. Hi. Hi, Jonah. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're all uh, well rested and have had uh, calm, low key, very adult uh, weekend. <laughs> always healthy. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Sayer. Uh, we got some questions that were submitted online uh, that we can talk about. If you guys have questions, that's probably going to be a higher priority. So. Feel free to ask those because that's always more, more fun. Um, yeah, that's. You don't think people have speed on season five? Like, there's only, there's only been two episodes. No, no, no. I just mean, <laughs> like, everyone what? died. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we started over again in the Tommy Westfall universe. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Power Rangers a, in space. I feel like it was a bold times. choice to bring the Power Rangers yeah. in in episode one, but. Uh, yeah, so I think well, one of the things about season five that's been weird is that I have found that no matter how often I try to get a, a message across uh, about like something that's outside of the narrative scope of things, like the fact that season five is very much a prequel to a lot of the stuff that has happened, no matter how much I try to get that message across, like people don't hear that. Right. Um, that's why I was like, maybe we should clarify. Maybe we should clarify. <laughs> it's, it feels weird because I feel like I need to, like, I feel like the only way that I will get that adequately across is if I, like, start one episode with, hello, this is a message from Adam, just to let you know, this yeah. is a prequel. Yeah. This entire season is a prequel, which uh, I've tried to express. Um, so, but people are, like, because people will come up to me with conspiracy theories of how it fits into the timeline and, <laughs> and like, like, Sayer's not even on Typhon at this point, like, if we were following canonically the past, but then how is this happening? I don't know. So it's kind of strange. But yeah, you know, so season five is is a prequel, um, largely because, like, season four was, was pretty taxing uh, to write, like, an entire season um, in a continuous arc like that. Um, like, that's big boy stuff. And <laughs> Well, it's a very different style because a lot of people were like, how come Adam's the only one writing? And it was because you had an entire arc mapped out yeah. and us doing the season one through three thing of like, okay, I'll take an episode. Yeah. And, uh, Ashley would take an episode and then Nika took an episode. That's like, coordinating that would have just been a nightmare. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, yeah, that was, it was a weird, like we started, when we started, I like, I had I reached out to find other people to, to write it with me because like, I just, I knew I couldn't do it all on my own. I had a, I had a, I had a newborn at that point. Um, and well, I guess he was a little older than that, but I had a, I had a kid running around, I have a full-time job. I'm like, I can't like, you know, it, it's a lot to write and record it and all that kind of stuff. And so we did it though. And I think that, you know, in the first season, it's weird because it sound it seems so planned that like the first season is to a certain degree more arc oriented, even though. Um, oh, we totally planned that, right? Yeah, no. There were bits and parts where we did. We would sit down and we'd talk and we'd try to figure out, okay, where do we want to go with it and what do we want to do with it? But a lot of times it was just like, shit, we have to put an episode together uh, who's on deck and right. Godspeed. Um, <laughs> so then, like, season two, um, and I feel like we were really very isolated in, yes. in how we did it. Yeah. And we, we did not have much conversations amongst us. I feel like the only... Do you want to get into why on that for me? 
What's that? Well, it was oh, yeah. bad circumstances. I, I had actually just lost my dad to cancer, so um, I had talked to the other writers and said, hey, I might have to back off for a while. I'll try and contribute. So I think I only did, what, like two or three in that season? I think that was maybe season three. Well, is that season that was three? Season it kind of all blurs together in my does. mind because of the circumstances around it. So if you wonder why I fell off kind of near the end, that's there was just too much going on in our personal lives to contribute. So I think I tried to at least give a little input when I could yeah. and that kind of stuff. But I think the only thing that kind of kept it glued together was that like because I had to record everything and because I had to like edit everything and it's like I did manage to be able to like try to keep the tone similar right. enough but yeah I think we were kind of all over the place for a while yeah. so <laughs> when when season four came around I was like well I guess I could I could just do it all and just see how that works out because like I did that with the end of season three I think mm-hmm. at a certain point it was like okay well I can't continue to keep doing this like it was causing problems in my just day to day life to, to, to spend all that extra time right. Um, effort and energy into something um, and so I said okay well I, I can map out I think maybe three or four episodes where I can put it into a place where I feel like it's like a cyclical uh, like thing that it's just encapsulated and, and just perfectly right and uh, so I got through that and then uh, a year and a half later, I'm like, well, I wonder if I could fuck that up real good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> living that success. We're, we're back, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, but, like, I've, had, I've got a lot of feedback from people over the, the duration of season four and during the hiatus and all that kind of stuff about, like, what they enjoy. And it, it's very different camps of people that really enjoy, like, arcs and they enjoy like when it contains a, a, a like an ongoing story over you know multiple episodes an entire season with season four and then there's other people that are very much more into it for the x-files-esque like monster, monster of the week, week yeah. type <laughs> of like what we were doing earlier yeah mm-hmm. like who's getting screwed over this week right um and, and i think it, it, it it's it's i think both are valid and both are good yeah. Well, I think we had talked about before, and, we, and this probably came up in the Q and A that I wasn't able to be at from three years ago. Or I've, I've done a few. Yeah, the, <laughs> where season one ended up having the big story arc, where because you were following one character, so season two we we're like, hey, let's break away from that, mm-hmm. and we'll follow different characters. And then I realized partway through the season, I'm like, okay, I'm killing people off too much, so I purposely wrote my, a couple in there where I'm like. This character's gonna live. That's the twist. Yeah, <laughs> I felt that was like that's a that's a, that's a common c- complaint that I have heard is that, that I didn't kill them. Not, that? not not about you. No, that that when we have the encapsulated episodes, like that everyone assumes like okay, well something terrible is gonna happen and they're just gonna die at the end, and it's not as interesting if you know that. Right. Um, and so yeah, I've. I've, I've tried to... That forces me to try to come up with things worse than death, which is uh, not fun. Uh, um, but I think I've been a little successful in uh, as of late, so go listen to season five. It's gotten off to a great start. Um, so. um, we can take some questions if you guys sure. have questions, or I've got, I've got pre-submitted questions. Yeah. Um, so my favorite part about the podcast is like the horror aspect to it. So are you guys like big fans of horror movies? Like what? Like what do you draw inspiration? Yeah. Tell them my sad history with horror. Absolutely. Okay. So <laughs> when I was a, when I was a small lad. 
the Thriller music video came out, and I was so scared that I ran to my room crying. Um, my mom put on Lamb Chop and calmed me back down. I could not watch horror until I was in my 20s, and then I got really into it. So now that I'm in my late 30s, I'm like pretty into horror, but there's a certain type of horror that Sayer falls into that is kind of like that space and the unknown. Like, I don't really care about, like, the ghosts and demons and that side of horror. Like, that has no appeal to me, but give me aliens, give me the thing, you know, those kind of movies are totally my jam. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna be surprising, but I don't, I don't enjoy horror movies. Um, I don't, I don't, it just, it's never really been something that's ever appealed to me. Um, I don't like particularly gory things. Um, I feel like I am in tune with the things that like are worrisome and bothersome to me. Uh, there's plenty of things in this world that I, I, I'm frightened of, and I feel like being able to tap into that and just say, well, this really screws with me a little bit. I wonder if it screws with other people, and usually it does. Um, and occasionally I just, I just research weird uh, psychological experiments. Our that have, Google histories yeah. are going to get us in jail one of these days. Because of yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was that one episode where I had to figure out how much flesh weighed. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was unfortunate. Nika just asked Danny, and he gave a real oh. good well, answer. I just figured body is mostly water, and so I just went off of that. Oh, okay. And just said it was probably pretty. Yeah. I have water. found the sense writing sayer. I have found most horror more predictable and much less scary because I think things we've done in Sayer has been way more disturbing than people usually do in movies. And I don't Fair. know if it's the audio format and the intimacy of having Sayer like telling you right to your head, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely I find because I mean obviously it's going to affect me more if it's not an episode I wrote. Right. So when I listen to Adam's episodes, it's just I, those are the ones where I'm just like, <laughs> and uh, then I have other people tell me certain ones that I've written are like, oh, this part really freaked me out or whatever. Yeah. So that's really cool to hear from someone who's like kind of a scaredy cat secretly. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. I, I, I'm like I, I, I'm, I guess I'm lucky in the position that like I. I 100% see the sausage being made so it's like yeah. <laughs> none of it is creepy to me at this point so well yeah because you get to look at the scripts ahead of time because you have to record them at some point <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right uh, other questions yeah so and speaking on the morality of highly advanced self-aware AIs it's obvious that future is evil and it's pretty apparent that ocean is evil maybe with some moral guideline. What is Sayer? <laughs> Honest is the, <laughs> is the answer that I usually try to give. Yep. Um, so I, I, when I started like my concept was not hey let's do a creepy evil AI because that's been done so often and it's like they created something with good with these good intentions. We've created something, but it sees the world in a way we don't see it, so it doesn't follow the rules that we would want it to follow the way we want it to follow them. Um, instead, very very bad people have created this. Mm -hmm. I think that's the the difference. And and Aerith, I think, is is the villain more than anything um, yeah, of the sure. story. Is that it's not about like um, you know Sayer. Why does he do the things or I'm. Mis mispronouncing. Why does it do the things that it does? 
um, it's it does it because it it advances the 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 will and the ends of this corporation that um, has nefarious reasons on their own. So yeah, and we we all kind of agreed on that within the first couple episodes that Sayer is honest. Yeah. That was like the driving force, I think, of season one. Because if it's lying to you, it's not as interesting. No, because... The fact the, that the, yeah. that you're, you don't know where the shoe's coming from and it's not... It, like, the other shoe's going to drop and it's not because um, it's it's been, like, feeding you lie after lie after lie and then it's like, oh, guess what? All that's wrong. Haha, That's not funny. and <laughs> Or scary or interesting, you know? Mm. It's, it's when it's telling you something, and then when you listen to it later, it was telling you the whole time. That, I think, is, is more entertaining. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Mike. Are we ever going to hear about more about the uh, puppeteers at, at uh, Airlift that sort of set this all up? Um, yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like... Um, just because, yeah. you know, Sayer's always talking about the, the committee and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? the board, yeah. The board, like, that's what it is. Yeah, the, we're definitely getting more in that direction. I think that, like, we were able to explore a lot more of of the world when we were able to do more, like, when it's bouncing from, from, re- from resident to resident, basically. And I think our big impetus <laughs> behind that was because when you're with one person, it's like, well, that person may switch jobs a few times, but you're going to see one tower and you're going to see that person's life consistently and it was more interesting I think being able to in, in the second and even in the third season uh, to bounce between different people because then it's like okay we can see what it's like because the towers are different like their mm-hmm. their their function and focus is different well, and we even got to see Earth a little bit and we got to go to Earth a little bit yeah, yeah. So it gave a totally different perspective. So. Yeah. So yeah. So I have interest in in kind of getting into that. Um, some probably not a lot this season. Um, maybe some this season, but um, that's definitely if if I do a sixth season, which like I kind of left myself in a position where I probably will need to. Um, <laughs> there's probably going to be a lot more of that down that road. So good question. Robbie. Um, granted, it's called Sayer. Yeah. But do you have any interest of going back even further to explore, like, the initial uh, asteroid impact and the aftermath of that? Um, I don't think I could do it convincingly. Uh, I think it's a level of, of scientific knowledge I do not have. Um, the, like, the amount of... Uh, like the amount of leeway that you have to grant me already that 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 an asteroid did not completely like get demolished on impact and then got relaunched into orbit was, <laughs> so it's such bullshit right <laughs> it's the beautiful bullshit of if you will buy this very small premise here that is completely completely not going to happen if you grant me that then you're probably going to give me enough leeway with the rest of the shit. So um, I don't feel like I could could, could convincingly um, do that. And plus, like, like I don't have the ambitions of going just crazy with like casts and stuff like that, and like getting a bunch of people involved. And like half the reason that this is a this is a project that ever existed is because it's one of the few ways that I could figure out of how to do a podcast that required no scheduling around other people that could 100% be do, be done by me when I had time to record and 
I'm running out of weird voices, Robbie. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't have all those people on Earth, and it's like, oh, this guy. Oh, it's Jasper Spitwhistle. Great. <laughs> Just put him in. Yeah. Um, the the thing. I think it's a little more because of the format of the show. It's more interesting to find out in bits and pieces what happened mm. from when it needs to come up uh, naturally in the story. Um, who here is a fan of prequels? We got two, two three, okay. <laughs> so that's the other side of it is like we kind of already have said a little bit of what happened and um, a little bit of a why. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we'll that'll come up more depending on how the story unfolds. Yeah. But I you know, in audio form, I don't even know how we would pull that off. Yeah. Like, I think it'll be interesting. I could see it in a comic book, maybe, but. Comic books are incredibly expensive when you're paying your artists fair wages, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they just take a long time. They are, yeah, very time very consuming. Difficult. And we've been very lucky with the comic front, like finding so. amazing artists to work with that have honestly given us like incredible rates where I'm like, Are you sure? Yeah, are you alright with this? Yeah. Can so, you eat? You're good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how bad is life on Earth, and how good is, uh, I guess, if, if it's if it's not that bad, then how good is Airless marketing department? Because it seems like you want to be on that tower, so. Uh, yeah, so, so the marketing department is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not, I think it's important to, like, note there's no communication back, you know, and so... It's the it's the it's the offer. I don't I don't even I don't know how crappy Earth is. I feel like it's pretty crappy, um, but I don't even know it needs to be like mm-hmm. like an apocalyptic wasteland for people to go. Like there would be there would there would be drones of people just like lining up if right now there was some colony on like on the moon and people could just go and like advance science. People would just people would do it. You know, people signing up for mm-hmm. for going off and dying on Mars already. Like that's the thing people do. Um, so yeah, like I, I think it's it's pretty darn crappy. Um, but I mean, there's obviously still like life. Yeah, there's still know, life. functional pseudo governments. We showed that you know, Aerolith and stuff. They've kind of already like are being sneaky about where the the asteroid originally landed. Mm-hmm. We saw that they were kind of like. Hey, uh, stuff slowed down, so maybe we need another one of these guys to yeah. come through and like beef up our marketing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're pretty they're pretty sketchy guys. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, so Earth has got its ups and downs for sure right now. Like, yeah. Yeah. I submitted a bunch of questions which I don't remember now, but the first one <laughs> that comes to mind is: Are we going to see the post, uh, you know, season four future ocean? Well, I guess not future ocean Sayer universe at some point in the future. Uh, yeah, so if I go back, like, if, if I do a season six, we'll have to just kind of continue from where season four had left off. Like, uh, so, like, with, with Future and Ocean and, and, and all of that stuff, it's, it's a lot of fun to do. Um, it's really weird to record that stuff. Uh, but some of my favorite episodes are the ones where it's just communications between AIs. Um, I think it happened, like, the first one was uh, with Speaker and Sayer. And after that one, I was like, I didn't realize I could do dialogue on this show. This is very great. You know, <laughs> usually all the residents are mute just because I just it's going to be confusing for me. Yeah. Um, so it's it's fun to play around with that stuff. So we'll, we'll go back to that more, I think. Um, 
you know, it doesn't feel like we did too far of a step back for, for season five. Like, you know, we didn't go back to the very beginnings of, of anything like that. But I, I, I moved us back far enough to maybe be able to see, and I, I don't have, like, strict rules set in my mind as to, to where and when this might happen. But go, went back far enough to, you know, be able to see so the advent of, of, like, future, you know, um, which was, you know, the story that we created in the, in the first comic, um, which is, uh, I think, a fun time in, in airless history. So um, that would be fun to play around with on the podcast. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. One of the things I really like about the podcast is how much you explore um, sci-fi elements that aren't usually explored that much, um, like or, or just generally in media, like um, like a silent protagonist, um, mm-hmm. but also like sci-fi concepts, um, like the transporter problem or Rocco's basilisk, that, that kind of stuff. Did, yeah. Those, did you take? Did you like read about existing AI problems and then sort of adapt them, or did you? Sort of um, so, so yeah, with some of that stuff, I I do do AI like read about AI stuff when I get a chance, just because I mean it's just it's just fuel at this point, um, <laughs> and that it's good stuff. The 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 teleporter thing has been something that has bothered me like my whole life. <laughs> that like and nobody seems to care. And nobody cares, right? <laughs> Nobody cares that like we're gonna have a, a thing just disassemble you like at an atomic <laughs> level, and then we're gonna have this goo that will get poured out into you basically to reassemble you on the other side, and that's in some way, shape, or form supposed to be uh, consistency. You know, so much of of the show has been built around like that. Uh, that that problem is that you've ceased, you've started again. Are you the same? Does the identity hold? Right. Um, and there's so many fun ways to play with that. We were able to play with that with cloning. We've been able to play with that with, with, with teleportation. And we've been able to play with it with just how the, the AIs react to you know, termination and shutting down and that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's rife with um, ways to, 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 to like look at that problem of identity. And, and that's just fun. It's fun stuff to play with. So... We, in I don't know. I don't think we did it in um, the actual show. We did it on Moon Cops. Is where is where I first did the teleporter thing. And when I first like wanted to do the teleporter thing, it was going to be an episode where someone got into a teleporter to get teleported, and as soon as the thing powered up, the the show stopped. Like it was done. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of the episode. Um, and I thought that would be really fun to do, but everyone would hate me because, and it would be pretty pretty obvious because it would be like a, a five minute episode. Um, so I ended up doing it when I first did it. I did it on Mooncoffs, and I really wanted to hammer home the issue with that whole thing. And so instead of like you disassembled here and immediately reappeared over here, it was disassemble here, we store you on a USB drive, we shoot you like out of a cannon all over to the moon, they take the cannonball, open it up, pull out the USB drive, plug it in, and then you're built back. Okay, so if you, can ex- if you can't accept that, if you can't accept that travel in between when for a, a while you were just data on a, on, a, on a stick, then how can you accept the transfer any other way? How can you accept that that is, is, is the same? So that's a fun concept to play with. Aaron, you've had your hand up. <laughs> Are we going to see any more of Mincer? 
I'm curious. Oh man, <laughs> so cute. I mean, it's just the best. But uh, how many how many stories are there to tell about a little robot that is a blender bot, like that, <laughs> grinds meat all day? I don't know. The dating scene. Yeah, that's what Doki Doki's for, I Yeah, suppose. exactly. I was going to say, you know how at the back of a lot of manga there's those little, like, cutesy little what? comics that are, like, the four panels? Maybe we can get someone to give us a few minsters of those. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, even Tokyo Ghoul, an incredibly dark one that we uh, did with Vince recently on, uh, Inks and Issues, at the end of every volume, it's like, hey, you know this comic that's about people, like, eating other people? Check out these wacky comics starring those characters. <laughs> we need to just need a podcast within a podcast. That exactly. Can just explore Dan Mixer's life. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah, Justin. Uh, there was a Sayer and Speaker, and then later Speaker and Ocean, and that conversation that they had about the vectors, you can hear the parallels where Speaker is repeating a lot of the exact same lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any other stuff you've written in where you've put in that effort to have like that AI behavior yeah. that no one has noticed? I, where you've put in what's the thing you worked on the hardest that, that no, one, no one talks about? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, so I've had to. I, I do that occasionally. It's tough to tell. I've, I've been complimented on like callbacks that were not intended intended to be callbacks. It's just because I don't always remember that I've already written that the way I've written it before. Like, I have, like, writing crutches, and I don't have an editor, so occasionally I'll write something, and it'll sound the same as sometime I wrote it, wrote it earlier, and people would be like, wow, that was cool. Um, the, the speaker conversations I did, I went back and I pulled up the script from when the conversation happened in season three between Sayer and Speaker, and the process of that conversation in Speaker's tone and and... Um, and the exact way that it was responding to those prompts so that when I had that same conversation later between Ocean and Speaker, um, there's no reason those conversations should be different, right? I mean, these are, uh, it's an input-output type thing, right? So I did try to stick pretty close to, to, uh, to the script for that. Um, Sayer's done that on occasion. There's um, been, like, new residents and I've run through the new resident, like the very first new resident script thing, um, because why would it change that? Um, And then obviously at the end of season three, like the fact, like I had, I just, I just pulled the script from season one, the first episode, so that I could just read like that same thing. So the ending of of season, uh, season three is the exact same as the beginning of season one, but um, yeah, those are intentional. All the other ones that sound like they're intentional also very much were. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I think I remember one of my other questions. So on the identity thing, it sounded like earlier in season three that Sayer, I think it was the point eight hundred, was attempting to get more power, had the conversation with Dr. Young. Mm-hmm. And about become taking over Argo's tower, and that was still at that point point eight hundred, right? Yeah, and Sayer didn't want Argos because Argos was a shithole. That's a, that's the that's the important part of that whole thing is like we needed a tower to dump on, and it was Argos. Yes, <laughs> but he wanted yeah, but yeah, no, that yes. So when Argos is Beaver one and is in space at the point oh one, what point 
was it, it was point eight oh one made when they put them in Argos Tower? Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't, I don't know if I ever Yeah, and and it's it's a fun thing to 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 think about about like when did when did ocean stopping Sayer, right? And because it's a it's a subversion, it's the exact same and then all of a sudden things happen and it's like I don't know, it's 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 just a weird nuanced thing that we don't have to uh, deal with as much as it being like fleshy based people, but it's kind of fun to, to think about. Um, but yeah, there was I think one of my favorite parts of that whole concept was was when I think it was. I think it was. Speaker asked Sayer when uh, it found out that Ocean had like had the deactivated the the protocols that are basically the uh, obviously a very thin allusion to Isaac Asimov's you know three laws of robotics. Although I never really talk about what those laws are uh, because it's not the same rules. Ehrlich has very different opinions on what, what AI should and shouldn't be doing. Um, <laughs> And and I think Speaker just basically says, you know, have you ever thought about? And then Sayer's response is, well, obviously I have because I did that, right? So he, you know, it didn't do it, but another version of it did, and it's the exact same. So you know, it's kind of a weird thing. You know, it's fun. I love that bit. It was almost like uh, there was a bit of regret, where it's like I think the line was, "He's there, and I'm here," mm-hmm. and this other Sayer has done this thing I wanted to do yeah. and they got it first <laughs> now I'm stuck over here and I have to deal with <laughs> yeah. this and yeah. I, I don't get to have that yeah that. so there's like this weird big brothery aspect between Sayer and Ocean despite the fact that Ocean is like the new version or whatever like that that like there's like it's uh, it's like there's the the like Head of the football team is your brother, and then like <laughs> getting all the worse. It's your younger brother. Yeah, so popular, so popular. Everybody's listening to it now, and I'm stuck inside someone's literal head in a yeah. like a bunch of nanobots. <laughs> this is the worst. Like, <laughs> it was hard to figure out a way to make uh, to make Sayer into a sympathetic character. Yeah. Um, but I was I was dead set that I was like, there's got to be a way to like make people feel bad for this thing just enough. <laughs> um, so I think one of our recurring themes that was unintentional but has happened is a lot of a lot to do with personal identity uh, because of like splitting off mm-hmm. him into two people. Uh, like you were saying with the teleporter, are you the same person on the other side? Um, that's kind of a little where I was going on the episode where we first find out they're able to like download your brain into a machine mm-hmm. and then like and then it's the sensation to that person was like they're drifting off into space, but it's really just their data is like flowing through the inter- like their version of the internet um, to go to these other places um, and then they have nanobots in your head so they just plugged that person into another person at some no, point. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's a lot of it's an interesting concept I think to think about, um, especially in this modern age of online identity versus your the person you are when you're face to face. Which is you know with this crowd is a very interesting concept because <laughs> we all know each other from online mostly. Right. Um, but yeah, that's just something I think we're both kind of fascinated with, mm-hmm. like on some level. So that comes up a lot when we're writing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the caveat, and I know you mentioned like all these different horrible ways that characters died, especially in season two. But 
I do recognize that not all of them are dead at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. You just assume that they will. Right. Um, Mincer being the, the, the Mincer victim being the one. Um, what has been your favorite death or death scene to write? My favorite, my favorite to write was... Um, <clears throat> Was the one where somebody was like out cleaning bodies off of like the outside of House and Tower and they fell, and there's this there's because that's a terrifying concept. I'm very scared of heights, um, so to me that's a terrifying concept. It's more terrifying. What's that? Was that the girder? When yeah. they slowed down. Yeah. The so that it was a real wily e. coyote fucking moment, but <laughs> it's more it's it's so much more terrifying to me to not like. Just the fact that then, boom, you're in this spot where you're stopped because, like, they turned off the gravity. Um, you're far enough along that you can't go up, and when you go down, it's going to be terrible. Um, but here's a moment we can just sit and just really stew on how fucked you are. Um, <laughs> that was probably my favorite one to write. Um, I don't know, did I write that many deaths? I think I was just too easy on these people. You might have been too easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, yeah, it's. I, I'm trying to think of if I actually kill people off. I mostly like to leave them um, with their mind broken a little bit. So um, when they find out there's basically like a, a you know a Cthulhu portal um, in the stairwell, <laughs> and as people try and approach, they're either immediately killed by mysterious creatures in the dark or. Um, their minds are taken over. That's actually way scarier to me to lose your mind. Yeah. So um, I think I kind of skew that way a little bit more, uh, more often. And that was really hard to, to reconcile Cthulhu mythos in a sci-fi podcast of, of the nature that we have. <laughs> we were playing with a lot of fun things that I thought it, I thought it was cool, and then like later I was trying to figure out like how does that work because I got a little bit more hard with my sci-fi right. at a certain point where it was we like... We were very loose in season one with we were like whatever. With the rules of we were just stuff. throwing whatever at the wall and seeing what stuck and um, that's why I think it's season two where one of them is about Sayer. One of the ones I wrote was Sayer basically putting in a way to track the other side of that so yeah. that he can like give them a warning hey we see you we know you're there we're watching you don't screw with us because <laughs> we will kick your asses if you come over here yeah and it's like maybe he's all talk we don't know because they seem to kind of stopped after that so. yeah well and <laughs> like uh i think it i think it works with like the concept of the doors and like the fact that doors just kind of exist and open right. between places that shouldn't <laughs> yeah. exist and open and the floor 13 where you know we were using as our like if we can't explain it blame floor 13 yeah that was <laughs> that was just the, just just the given boogeyman like, yeah, yeah like we would have yeah we would have we would have broadcasts that would like be like, talking about like the ceiling in floor 12 is leaking again yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so yeah we ended up having to reconcile and actually start to explain a lot of things at right. a certain point but yeah Aaron why is Halcyon so weird? Like, beyond every other tower, it's the weird tower. It's beyond the, the presence tower. of future. Um, so, the towers have, like, their own kind of focus. Um, so, Halcyon is all about... Um, it's. I mean, it's all the weird, just, like, physical science stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so a lot of experiments uh, with... <coughs> Uh, with machinery and humanity, um, and a lot of like the real like 
body related things are are halcyon. It's, it's the one that actually me test subjects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Argos doesn't really do a whole lot. Like that's why they shot it into space. Yeah. <laughs> it's the old crusty one. Aegis, yeah, that nobody wants anymore. Aegis is in, is in charge of security and weaponry. So all of the. It almost feels like people might actually be able to fight back on that one, so that's yeah. why we didn't go to it too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Minos is just all about psychological torture. Um, Minos is all around just like the the, the mental side of, of of science, and and so the, all of the weird like let's put you in a really weird situation that you have to like. Uh, like some sort of paradox that is created that you have to work your way out of. That's that's minus this stuff. So yeah, a lot of stuff happens generally on Halcyon because it's just like that's. I think that's the that's where we it's where we started with the stuff, and so right. it's like in absent everything else, I like I, I tend to just go there first with it. Um, I'm sure the others are pretty weird too. Yeah, <laughs> I think. And when we were starting, you basically broke us broke that down a little bit for us, but I think. The other towers were pretty sketchy, what you were wanting to do with them still at that yeah, early really stage. Really I was like, well, there's these other towers, but we'll get to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like originally, it was like, okay, season one will just be like once in one person. Season two, we'll be able to see other towers in other places. Right. Season three, we'll go out in space, and, and everything will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm sure I'll figure something out. I think it was a natural it. progression, too, of like starting with a really narrow focus, I think was the idea, too, mm-hmm. because with it being the nature of the one character being the voice you hear all the time. It just made sense to have one centralized location and then as it progresses you have a little more freedom to branch off from there. Just from mm-hmm. a storytelling perspective it made the most sense. My bracelet's making noise. That's okay. Answer the <laughs> <laughs> um, so something I love about the podcast which really attracts me to it is that you guys highlight everyday people like workers like maintenance workers and stuff that you know it's not always it's not like corporate america here on earth you know where everybody's just like do do your job and you get over it or whatever so do you find yourself on a daily basis finding inspiration to write the podcast or do you have weeks where you're like god i really gotta search for stuff to write about you know what i mean um so i almost never know what i'm gonna do (laughs) until i do it So I, <laughs> which is part of the reason why collaboration on this thing early on was so difficult because it's like, yeah, it's tough for me to tell you, uh, like what I see coming yeah. next when I don't even know. But that said, it did allow us to play off each other's styles a lot, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of what formed just the tone and the feel of the show, like early on, because the first four are like Adam, me. Ashley Nika, mm-hmm. something like that. So we like we did. We yeah, were like, oh, we'll we, just go one, two, for the three, first few. Yeah, for the, like first, the first few, eight episodes. And then I think Nika started getting busy with other shows, so yeah. she kind of had to back off a little bit. So it just kind of was like the natural progression. But I know personally, I'm much more interested in telling a story of like a working class person because I that. I'm that, and my dad was that. Like right. he had a plumbing business my entire life. You know, it was like yeah. I, I grew up in that household and. Um, most, as we've seen in modern times, most corporate billionaires are assholes, and I don't really yeah. care. So they're going to be the villains in our stories yeah. because, I mean, they are in real life too. Um, Plus, I mean, it's a question of accessibility, you know. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. You know, it's you, you don't want to see what it's like at the top. It's just too much going on there, and I think mm-hmm. it would be it would be 
the thing, the things that you would need to like just to just to walk into that and need to be explained to you that would not naturally happen. Like you don't, the CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 company doesn't walk in the front door and somebody say to them, "Okay, so you're the CEO, mm-hmm. and um, here's everything that you do in a day." Right. Just like that level of explanation can't really can't really happen. But when it's somebody that's a tier one person, you know, the, somebody that is is an entry level position of some sort. Mm-hmm. Then the fact that we have to do these levels of explanation makes sense. Yeah, um, and I think that Sayer would it, be that communicating might, more. Yeah, like the newer you are. Anyway. I'm also thinking it may have just one. You know, sometimes unintentionally, when you look back, you're like, okay, this might be why I came from this angle. So I know Adam and I at one point both had to change in job industries, so we were in our adult lives like the low man on the totem at one point yeah. like more yeah. recently than some other people might have been I know were you in mortgages too right yeah yeah so we were both in mortgages and then that went to hell so, so. <laughs> yeah I was a, I, so I I was for a were long you time. out of it by then I, I got out of it right before college, oh good job very <laughs> no like uh, well I got when I got out of college I had an economics degree and no real good place to put it so I worked retail for a while and then mm-hmm. um, started and then like sold something to a mortgage guy and that's all you need to do apparently get a job in mortgages it, and that it was very easy <laughs> if you sold something to a mortgage person I'm like well you need to come sell mortgages my uh yeah my first job was making literally just making copies of loans and then yeah. shipping those copies to our corporate office yeah. that's how I got my foot in the door <laughs> and I would say I would I would be yeah I would be just opening loans and just like calling people and filling out that stuff yeah and so then they like they thought I was going to be a salesman and I'm that's not who I am so uh then they found out that I was pretty good with computers mm-hmm. and in those those times like a mortgage company is like six people so they're like okay right. well guess what you're in charge of computers here now. Sure, sure so I did that for a while but yeah it's a it's a and then resetting it's just it's so weird but like that I think that's a lot of inspiration and like you were asking about how like when you don't know what to write yeah. so there's a few that I definitely know that what inspired the episode was me going on like popular science and just reading a bunch of articles and yeah. then going okay I'm going to take the little bits from here and here and here um, doing some research into I know I'm I ruined his podcast because of bees and I <laughs> I don't really feel bad about that um, but going back to the one I think I mentioned earlier about the device that's watching the other dimension I was I had read an article about um, like the giant like bees that would take over other hives and that those bees would kill those and put them up as a warning so that's what inspired that episode um so yeah just like reading science articles was huge because um it's like it's stuff you wouldn't think about i mean i'm not a scientist obviously i'm just some dude that writes stuff so um yeah just taking inspiration from like people smarter than me and going, okay, I'm going to steal these little bits here and there and yeah. hopefully turn them into something fun and horrifying. Yeah, I'll do that too. <laughs> I, I like, I, anytime I see anything science related, you know, when I'm like browsing around reading new stuff, I'm like, I'll dive into it just to see if there's a way to twist it. Yeah. There's, um, there was a while there where my goal was to make the most mundane thing scary. Right. And so I would just be like, can I find a way to make a door scary? Can I find a way to make a mirror scary? Can uh, I, like, yeah. <laughs> Same. Like, I was like, plants. Those are terrifying. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> because I think that it, the fun thing is, is those are the things that we're used to and we're like, you just don't think about them at sure. all. And then if you can twist it in a way that makes it like uncomfortable yeah. of a concept... 
like God, the idea that I could make somebody scared to walk through a doorway right. is just beautiful. How much scarier <laughs> is that than like a doll that's already kind of creepy? Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we got one more here, Seth. Okay, um, so on the podcast, how much of the voice is on your intonation changes is editing versus voice acting? Um. So. I definitely don't. I don't talk in the same cadence, obviously, and um, <laughs> uh, because my life does not—it is not scripted, unfortunately. Um, so the real reveal is going to be that um, he's been Sayer the entire time. Yeah, I've been <laughs> Sayer. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, like uh, some of it is just that, like, is like keying in on things that. Um, like I, I know that I can I can be repetitive with um, and find like that that inspiration of this is what I need to do to like get this sound that I that I use. I think it it's fluctuated a lot. I think if you listen to the first season, how Sayer sounded versus how Sayer sounds now, it's not very similar. Um, I mean, it, it is just because of the editing. Um, but I think it's evolved a lot. I think I got better at it. Um, I would I wouldn't claim to be a good voice actor. Um, but I, I, I do. Bullshit. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. I, I do. I do. I do. I do good enough. I suppose if I had to be convincing um, as anything besides a robot, I don't know that I'd be able to do Can it. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, I'm going to explain one thing about okay, the. Okay, do that. About the. It's about, about the, the voice editing. Acting thing, so. Okay. So, um, as far as the editing goes, um, I feel I was the one really good choice I made was that uh, it's so difficult to show emotion when you are trying to get dry reads except for the only emotion that I feel like Sayer ever displays is just all the fucking sass um, <laughs> and so it's so difficult to really get a good like emotional uh, expression out of that that is where like the echoing effect comes in and the tinniness to make it more sound more robotic for certain parts and make it drop lower for certain parts. And I love the <laughs> whenever Sayer tends to uh, like hypothesize how humans would respond, he has this really mocking, high pitched humanish voice <laughs> version that I think is just so grating. <laughs> and the fact that that's like the human impression is <laughs> yeah no I think um, it also kind of fits that he has his voice has progressed like just over time we gave ourselves we gave ourselves an out we're like well maybe there's upgrades yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. no I was going to ask you um, because you do um, brute force as well mm-hmm. um, and you obviously do some voices on that one is it a lot easier to do that when you have your friends sitting around the, the virtual table and you're you feel like you're just kind of goofing off, or is that still like it's twenty times harder? Is it? Is that so much harder. More embarrassed too. Like, it might, you know, oh, I might screw up or whatever. No, it's just that like that that finding the voice part is oh. difficult. Like, okay. and so to have people like there to watch you just trying to find the voice, <laughs> it's tough. Like when I do the Jasper stuff on Brute Force, that's all after like oh, John has okay. edited the podcast and sent it to me. That. And then I go in and I'm like, all right, so I got to come up with seven minutes of bullshit to throw at the beginning and the end of this thing. So let's see, where were they at? Oh yeah, okay. So when I record the intro and then I record the outro and then it's done. So I, that's done in isolation. So yeah, so Carly and 
Pat and John and, and Ray never hear that stuff until, until later. later. Oh, interesting. I was not aware of that yeah. aspect of the show. So, yeah, the voices are... are that's a that's a private thing. <laughs> like <laughs> it's so much easier if you don't if you don't have an audience. That's why you have your own little space where you can hide. And mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and I have to that's wait fair. until everyone in my house goes to bed because yeah. it's just like Daddy's <laughs> making weird noises in the basement. Well, my kids sometimes make me do voices because they're like, "Oh, well, you're reading us a story. You better do this voice." Oh yeah, <laughs> so. no. If I'm reading stories, then there has there has to be a voice. Yeah. Boy, me and Cat in a Hat. <laughs> we go way back. They had me read an entire Dr. Seuss book as Shaggy one time. <laughs> I gotta we tell you. What? We hear Sam. Like, how's it going, Scoob? <laughs> so Very good. Oh, yeah. One in the back. Yep. Okay, so I was trying to pitch my uh, my friend Ian uh, about your show and selling him on it so he could listen to it. And he told me about a game that he used to play called "I Have No Mouth and I Must." Scream. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was this an influence on the sh- on the on the podcast? Am was a, probably an influence for me. I mean, it's tough to say that any of the well-known like bastard AIs in the world have not <laughs> been influences. So, like, yeah, um, the AI in that one I think is it's Am right? Is that right? So yeah, ditto. Um, so yeah, Am was an influence. Glados obviously is, is yeah. an influence. Um, Hal, oh <coughs> Hal was a huge influence. Actually, I think what the I've, sassiness of Glados was definitely a huge super inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Super, in, super intentional. And then if you ever played Portal Two when she got oh, yeah. turned into a potato, like, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of parallel there into uh, what happened in, in season four when it's like, hey, you take this massive thing and then put it into this delicate situation where it's much smaller and like how does that work um so yeah a lot of that stuff has has definitely inspired i watched i watched 2001 not too long before Mm -hmm. i started doing this and so i was like god that's so cool yeah we really need to figure out a way to do that yeah mike so uh speaker does speaker really have any agency the way sayer and the other ones do or not so much because it seems like it seemed like it was sort of a, a big plot step for him to side with Sayer instead of the other ones. Yeah, um, Speaker's just a just a company man, yeah. you know, <laughs> just a good boy. Um, yeah, so I mean, Speaker's in the position Speaker's in because of just appearances and like it's so much more sunny and cheery and right. pre- presents this this different view of like what things are going to be like. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's it's restrained in any ways that that, that Sayer isn't. Um, but I just think it has different goals. Its goal is to to fill uh, Typhon, whereas Sayer's goal is to push people further than that. You know, so like they just have different different goals. Yeah, I've only written the speaker once, and I have to say that was an incredibly fun episode to write, yeah. <laughs> because I knew we were going to be wrapping up the show soon, and I hadn't had a chance to write in a while. I'm like, okay, I have to get a speaker episode in before you start this, like, downward to the end of the, um, you know, to the end of season three yeah. arc that you were about to start. <laughs> and the writing different um, AIs is, is super rewarding, just mm-hmm. because just, like, 
you can get into a different mindset of like how they would. Well, it's just I love the fact that they are in some ways so similar, but also so different yeah. at the same time. It's it's again that whole identity thing where it's like these AIs are essentially the equivalent of like siblings mm-hmm. in my mind. So like it's the that interaction of when you meet someone's family and you're like, oh, I see how you guys are all related, but you're all your own people at <laughs> yeah. the same time. At least that's that's the approach I kind of took with them. Yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, speaking of which, there is a new AI that we're uh, going to have in this new season of Sayer. So, um, and I've heard a lot of hypotheses as to what it's going to be. Um, and I have a clip, I have an audio clip that I can... I play. haven't heard this yet, by the way, <laughs> so I'm excited. <laughs> um, but I will tell you that the new, the, that the new AI is, uh, it's called Porter... And it's the elevator AI. Um, so, in back in the prequel stuff that we're doing now, the the elevators were voiced. I mean, so even throughout first handful of seasons, um, the elevators had AI. It's part of like why uh, Sven ended up on floor thirteen in that very early time as a. The, malfunctioning elevator AI. And so if you listen to the first couple of episodes from this season, we've talked a lot about the elevators. The elevators have come up a few points um, in the most recent couple of episodes, and that's because we're going to play around with the elevator AI a little bit. Because I think the thing that people have to uh, be understanding of is is like, if you have a new AI in a prequel, there's got to be a reason it wasn't right. So I think our goes. reasoning before when, like, why, why when we never didn't talked. really plan it mm-hmm. was because the human that you were in their shoes, you know, being talked to by Sayer, was the only one they could hear directly, and that was our excuse for like why you'd hear Sayer kind of talk to the other AIs, but you wouldn't hear that side of the conversation. Yeah. Um, but that was just us being like. That's our way around it, essentially, yeah. as writers. Well, and so the other thing is, is I, I, I'm running out of weird ways to make my voice sound different. <laughs> um, so I did not voice uh, Porter at all. Um, Bree Poison here, who you guys have all met probably at the con. Bree voiced uh, Porter. Um, you will probably be able to hear the influence of the of like. Of, of what the influence was for the Porter voice, very obviously, um, because it's been uh, modulated in a very different way than uh, the way that uh, the sayer and speaker and, and future voices are modulated. Oh, yeah? Hopefully this will be audible, and hopefully this will also not play the Bengals' hazy shade of winter. Greetings, <laughs> <laughs> passengers. I am Porter, and I hope you enjoy our short journey together to sub-basement 5. I am an advanced artificial intelligence designed to make your vertical transit the best experience possible. I see that you are new to Typhon. Porter, you are surely asking yourself, how is it possible that I can transit hundreds of floors within one elevator? Isn't the functional limit of any elevator 1,700 feet, after which the cables themselves get too heavy to support their own weight? It's a great question. Aerolith scientists have discarded those inefficient cable-based designs for a system powered by an array of magnetic rails. It makes for a slightly slower transit than the most powerful cable-based systems. But in all other aspects, it is far superior. Please be patient. There are 4 minutes, 37 seconds remaining in this trip. Theoretically, 
I could release the maglocks, then send us into freefall, then cut several minutes off this transit. But I won't. I promise I won't. My velocity and your abrupt stop at the end would both be terminal. So that's that's Porter. So it's been it's been fun to write a different like any of this little weird stuff that I've I've kicked around for for Porter writing a different AI and the the funny thing is is with all of the elevators I don't, if, spoiler alert if you didn't listen last episode but there was a like an announcement part in, in the last one where all of these elevators just started showing up in the same place and realized they were elevators across the uh, hall from each other and then just like now there's a big mass of elevators just hanging out in this hallway. <laughs> I think it's interesting because these are like every elevator has an instance of Porter in it, but they don't have communication with one another. Uh, so they're all isolated. So they are all like a, clo- a clone army of elevator AIs <laughs> operating that don't share information with each other, though they do share information back up with like Sayer and stuff like that. So I think it'll be fun to play around with. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we're out of time. We're out of time. All right. Well, thank you. Time.